0: Welcome to another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr here alongside Justin Barney. And the Jaguars coming off another loss. It's tough to say if you want to call this one disappointing or not. Are we, uh, are we surprised at that? You know, I'm, I am surprised about how the game went. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the way you feel about the Jaguars after last week uh, falls directly on what you see as progress. Do you consider big steps as progress or little steps as progress? A big step would be you only judge this game based on a win. And the Jaguars didn't get that, so you're probably upset. But if you look at little steps, I mean, the team fell behind 17 points early in this one, the first quarter. The defense playing terrible. They flipped the switch, turned it on, played three great quarters, and got into it at the end. And, I mean, Urban Meyer even talked about it. Trevor Lawrence talked about it in week one this team probably quits if they're down 17 yeah, points. And true. they continued to battle, put themselves in it, had a chance to win it at the end. Came up short, but a chance to win it. So you, it, it depends on how you look at progress. Do you want those big steps or are, are consistent small steps enough for you?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Urban has mentioned time and again that, you know, it's time to see results. We're past moral victories. Um, you know, and we've talked about this before here. We, I think at some point in the season, and to me it was that bye week, I think you came off the bye having won the – Uh, The Dolphins game a week prior to the bye, and, you know, just things were clicking a little bit better. Um, You hope to see some progress there, and you come out and you, you stink it up against the Seahawks. The progress you saw from that game, and to me it was from the second half of that game onward, and we've seen that since, is that defensive progress. And we've seen that week after week since that Seahawks game. And I think that's the progress you want to see. Tyson Campbell has played better. Uh, There's been pressure coming from the defensive line. Josh Allen has elevated his game. There have been turnovers, been constant um, sacks. So I I think that's progress. But the flip side of that is you're not seeing that same type of progress from the offense. If anything there, you're seeing it regress. So um, happy with the, the progress of that defense but disappointed that the offense has not made that, um, you know, a similar stride to and even seems to be getting worse by the week.
0: Yeah, and, you know, by the week, there's more and more talk about this year's class of rookie quarterbacks. Uh, Obviously... For the most part this season, Trevor Lawrence had been spared from some of the speculation of whether he was a bust. But uh, these past couple of weeks, Jaguars fans are getting a little bit more antsy and starting to chomp at the bit more. And even some of these national folks are starting to weigh in because right now, Mac Jones has more wins than every other rookie quarterback this season combined. And Mac Jones has the best stats of any rookie quarterback. So now some Jaguars fans are starting to wonder if maybe we should even get a look at what C.J. Beathard can do based on the couple of plays that he played a couple. uh was that two weeks ago when Trevor Lawrence goes down with the ankle injury? So uh, are you starting to chump no, at the bit? Are you worried about Trevor? Because I'm not either.
1: Not at all. And yeah, we covered this uh, in news for Jags earlier this week in our uh, newsletter. Uh, and and I've heard those, you know, the I've seen that, I've heard the, I've read it, and I just don't see that. I mean, you look at Mac Jones. He came into a system that was already set up for him, and got Josh McDaniels, Brian Dable, Bill Belichick. I mean, the the guys there um, have just been, you know. It just been it's just it's not even apples to oranges. I mean, you're talking uh, just a different thing. Not Brian Dable, I I misspoke. Uh, But Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick. um, You know the framework there. They spent big in free agency. They signed two tight ends. I mean, Hunter Henry's got seven touchdown catches by himself. They signed two big time tight ends in free agency, um, and and you you see those. I mean, signed receivers in free agency. Um, one of the receivers leading the team in receptions and and yardage and Hunter Henry, seven touchdowns. So the Patriots spent to address a lot of these problems and put Mac Jones in a pretty darn good position. And, you know, Mac obviously is is a local kid. He's played well, played very well in these last – probably these last six games. Uh, But I think it's extremely early to label Trevor Lawrence any type of bust. I I think it comes down to, A, his receivers – flat out stink at this point of the season. They're not good. they're not they're, they're dropping passes at a crazy rate. I think ESPN had them receivers, pass catchers, James Robinson, all the guys who catch passes with 18 drops this year. Uh, second most in the league. And that's just unacceptable. And I think you've seen Trevor's regression um, you know, come with confidence issues and stuff. If, if he throws to Marvin Jones, is Marvin going to hang on to it? If he throws to Jamal Agnew, is Jamal going to let it bounce out of his hands? I mean, I think you're seeing that. So I don't think it's a fair comparison to say we should have taken Mac Jones. The infrastructure around Mac Jones was set up. I mean, you're talking about a, a, the, one of the, the most successful coaches in NFL history there. I mean, Josh McDaniels, offensive coordinator, has been there for quite some time. It just you're not talking the fa- you know you're not talking again apples to to, to apple comparison. It's ridiculous. It's uh, completely too early in Trevor Lawrence's career. You know, okay, if we're in year four and we're still seeing these uh, struggles and and you know no progress, but I think Trevor even as early as next year is going to be the guy. I expect him to take a huge leap forward. You just got to put some guys around him. You've got to yeah. put some talent around him. And right now. I mean, I know this is extreme, but, I mean, he probably had more talented wideouts at Clemson when he was there. You know, more comfort with those guys. Um, And I say that with a grain of salt. But um, you see where I'm going with it. You've got to give Trevor some playmakers. And he came into a barren roster of talent, and Jacksonville did not address that in free agency. Um, The draft has uh, left uh, some room for concern. Um, on on playmakers there. So I think extremely premature to say Trevor Lawrence is any kind of bust.
0: You're 100% right. You hit it right on the head. I mean, uh, Trevor has at least looked average to slightly below average with this roster. I don't think there's another rookie quarterback that walks into this situation and even looks like an NFL player. I mean, legitimately, you you if you're comparing it to Mac Jones' situation, the Jaguars don't have a tight end like Dan Arnold's serviceable. He's a good tight end, but Hunter Henry's better. Yeah, Johnu Smith is better. Yes, every t- almost every team in the NFL would take one of those two over Dan Arnold.
1: Yeah, I mean those and, two guys
0: alone, you know,
1: have more touchdown catches than Trevor Lawrence has, has even thrown. So, I mean, you know, they've got nine touchdown catches between them. Trevor's passed for eight touchdowns. You know, there's just not you're not comparing. Um, you know, for anybody who's comparing Jacksonville and New England, you need to, to go into a you know, serious uh, Baptist <laughs> medical and, and have a uh, brain and scan or something. You just can't compare those. And I know it's, I, I think the, the expectations are so high for Trevor Lawrence, yeah. you know, presumably so. And you expected to see him really taking those strides in midseason. And he's at the point where he's regressing. He's showing uh, some inconsistencies week after week. I mean, he's only one touchdown pass since the bye week. Um, and that uh, that is cause for concern because I think fans expected more. And um, you're not grading Trevor with the the rookie curve like you were grading him in the first four weeks. And, you know, it doesn't help that Mac Jones is, is lighting it up and has got the Patriots uh, possibly in contention for an AFC East title. Uh, and I think it's natural to to nitpick and, and look and back in hindsight and say, did we pick the right guy? Totally think Jacksonville picked the right guy. Trevor's going to be an all-star. He's going to be a Pro Bowl player. I think that happens uh, next year. You've just got to get the guy some talent. He's got nothing around him right now, and that's the most disappointing thing. You're, you're watching him regress because of failures in uh, you know the administration uh, to bring guys in and, and surround him with talent.
0: All right, well, let's switch gears a little bit and take a pulse on the defense. They have now pit they pitched one complete game against Buffalo. They pitched three quarters of a game against the Colts. Uh, now we're starting to look at it and say, okay, maybe this defense has turned a corner uh, going into the year. My expectations for this defense were never high. At this point, pitching a game like they did against the Bills and at three quarters of a game that against the Colts, uh, they have exceeded every expectation of play that I had for them. I mean. Tyson Campbell, or not Tyson Campbell, Tyson Campbell did have a breakup, but yeah. Taven Bryan, we've yes. had two yes. great games from him in a row. I don't know that he'd had two great games in his entire career up until this year. Yeah. Uh, and now all of a sudden it's like they flipped the switch, figured it out, and the, all they said was, well, we simplified and figured we'd let those guys go out there and play. What? Well, Nobody else could figure this out with yeah. Taven Bryan. Well, if you just let him go play, he's a good player. What yeah. is this?
1: Yeah, I know. And Malcolm Brown has played well. You know, we have talked about kind of bash the, the budget free agent signings. But, you know, guys like Malcolm Brown, Roy Robertson, Harris have, have shown more in these last few weeks. Devon Hamilton, a draft pick last year, has come along. Uh, so that defense, for whatever Joe Colon is doing, he's getting – he's maximizing – the most potential that this, you know, this is a budget defense kind of kind of team. He's getting the most out of those guys. And you're seeing guys, I mean, I think Shaquille Griffin has played pretty consistently this year. But you're seeing Tyson Campbell, I think, learn and grow and get that confidence. Um, you still have those holes in the secondary. Want to see what Andre Sisco's about. Um, but, man, that defense has really, whatever flip switch, I mean, it has uh, significantly worked. Um, since that bye week, and you've got to be impressed on that upward uh, trajectory.
0: I mean, I, I am extremely impressed because, like we said, this is a budget defense. Miles Jack has pitched his two best games of his career in a row. Or not career, but this season for sure. Uh, you know, so the defense seems to have turned a corner. Joe Cullen hats off. He has done his thing. But this week, he he's going to have to bring another good game plan because – if you take a quarter off against the 49ers, this offense will put 30, yeah. 30 points on you without blinking an eye.
1: And we saw what happened uh, when you know last time they played a good West Coast receiver um, in uh, in Seattle with DK Metcalf, and you got Debo coming here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's going to be a challenge, and I, you know hopefully Shaquille can shut him down. Um, you know San Francisco is I think a winnable game. You know I look at the the next six games um, that take us right into um, the end of the the year, um, I think Jacksonville has, in those six games, I think two to three are winnable games, re- realistically winnable games, and I think San Francisco is right on the cusp of that, um, and and I think if you can get to Jimmy Garoppolo, um, if you can shut down Debo, um, you have a chance there, but yeah, as you mentioned, I think one bad quarter against the Niners, and they're going to make them pay. Yeah. I think they have that big play potential, like Seattle, like DK Metcalf, um Geno Smith torched Jacksonville's defense with efficiency. So a little worried about this game. Don't know if I'll, I'll pick them, uh, Jacksonville, to win this game. But I think it is a more winnable game than, uh, say, a, a Rams game that's coming up in L.A. or a Titans game in Nashville.
0: So the biggest advantage the Jaguars have this week is being located in Jacksonville. That's right. By far. The, the San Francisco 49ers having to come from San Francisco all the way to Jacksonville. Not only that, they played Monday night. So it is an extremely... Short week of preparation for them. After that Monday night game, then they have to fly cross-country here to take on the Jaguars. So uh, that is probably the biggest advantage. We've talked a lot in depth, and Jaguars fans know about the Jaguars' struggles on the West Coast. That actually works both ways the 49ers have not played in Jacksonville very often but they've never won a game here in in Jacksonville I think it's been like 16 years or something like that since the last time they played here so maybe a little bit of an advantage there that they haven't had a chance to prepare as much especially for this Jaguars defense that has been Changing tendencies in the wind to just find whatever works and do it. Uh, so we'll we'll see if that time does factor in. Uh, maybe the 49ers look sluggish out on the field. Uh, maybe they just don't have a great game plan. One way or another, that should help the Jaguars it, somehow. And that worked
1: against the Bills. Yeah. I mean, look what happened to you know Jacksonville. You come out and you pitch a unbelievable defensive gym against a team that's. AFC Championship game last year has an MVP candidate at quarterback and Jacksonville just reigned them in substantially you know it was TIAA Bankfield the uh, the new jungle I mean it's a tough place to play I don't think we're there yet but that place was rocking that afternoon. So Jacksonville, if we can get a little bit of that defensive flair going, the Niners on an erratic week, Monday night football uh, trip from the West Coast to the East Coast. Maybe those things all work in Jacksonville's favor. And I, You know, I, I like the last time they played here in town, just that defense and has just continued to grow. And I'm, I'm looking forward to see if that defense can continue that momentum because that unit has taken so many positive strides since week one yeah now with
0: the defense at least seeming like it's on the right track i guess we'll go back to the offense as we kind of continue through this preview of this week's game but uh what do, is there something that the Jaguars can do on offense that can get them on the right track? It almost feels like they just don't have enough talent on that side of the ball right now to really change anything midseason. I mean, they they just got rid of Tyron Johnson this week, who is a 4-3 guy, and they don't have speed at receiver. Urban has talked a lot about that for a while, and... To get rid of a guy that runs a 4-3 just says, okay, you know what, we're giving up on him, and we got to find something out. Well, Speed isn't just walking around on the street. Right now, Trevor does not have any receiver that he can truly trust. I mean, Dan Arnold has been good at getting open, but he does have a handful of drop passes as well. Jamal Agnew was targeted four or five times last game, no catches, Um, he's dangerous when he gets the ball in his hands, but, I mean, he's going to have to spend some time on the jug machine and make those catches. Uh, But Trevor needs someone somewhere that he can depend on to make a play for him. There's not a guy on the street. Is there a guy on this roster that maybe – they can. I don't think so. I don't think so either. We, I don't know. We, we've <laughs> talked
1: about this so many times on the podcast. There's just nobody on this team that scares you. No, no. one. Maybe Travis Etienne could have been that guy. Um, you know, running back. I mean, you it's know, a lot to ask of a rookie. You know, and you know. I mean, Urban
0: did mention this week that their their vision of. Ta- Travis Etienne the season was very similar to what you see from the 49ers, Debo Samuel, how he was taking handoffs out of the backfield last week, moves all over the field, get him short passes, things like that. So, I mean, at the very least, we, we do know that Debo is a very dangerous threat for the 49ers. Uh, does taking him out of the game plan for the 49ers completely ruin what they do offensively? No. But, uh, you know, maybe that would have added at least a layer to yeah, the jaguars who, who offense is that, who
1: is that player now for jacksonville you know with etn out we thought that could have been Laviska, but he has just been miscast hasn't had a, a clearly defined role and i know urban said this week that finding a role for lavisca was priority for them because y- you expected him to be maybe that etn role with you know with travis out and and you know, is he going to run the ball five, six times a game? Is he going to be a slot guy that can uh, catch a receiver screen and take it 50 yards? You just don't have a clearly defined role for LaVisca. And I don't think you have a clearly defined role for a lot of these guys who are catching passes. I, Marvin Jones is not a number one. I mean, that DJ Chark injury, well, at the time I didn't think it was that big, has come to be huge at this point of the season because I think DJ is more of a number, true number one than Marvin Jones and not having that uh, the ability there to have a true number one or even a one B has just really really uh, hurt Trevor's confidence and and taking uh, taking so much away from this offense they're, they're just not going to find a guy in, at this point in the season he's not walking around out there I mean the closest I think you could have found was a Deshaun Jackson an OBJ uh, who were on the waiver wires and you you didn't kick the tires on either one of those guys so. It's kind of pick your poison and and keep what you got. and I mean, does Laquan Treadwell become more of a factor in the offense with Tyron Johnson out? I
0: I think he's earned a role. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think so. He had a great block uh, last week. He's Um, been
0: blocking his butt off uh, the past two weeks since they promoted him. I I think he's earned at least a couple. Try it. I mean, why not?
1: You don't have anything else. And I think at this point in the season, you are what you are. You're going to have to just try and scheme your way into being a team that can catch a pass here or there. Um, you know, maybe easier throws to Jamal Agnew. I don't know. I, I just think you're you're stunning Trevor's growth with the receivers you have right now. I think.
0: Bevel's trying to get creative, and I see him knocking on the door of maybe something. Last week, I really liked that he started incorporating that jet ax into Jamal Agnew. They gave him the ball a couple of times, but they also faked it to him a few times. You'd like to see that a little bit more consistently there to to at least make the defense guard against that handoff because Agnew is dangerous when he gets the ball in his hands. But how often are you really willing to hand him that ball? Uh, Jamal Agnew has been durable throughout his career, but... He ain't the biggest guy in the world do you yeah. really want to hand him the ball 10 times a game and think he's going to that an injury won't sneak up on him i mean last week against the Colts he gets up grabbing his hip and i'm like oh no the last thing these guys need is another receiver down and see i almost uh,
1: envisioned that being the, the Laviska role almost you that, know? see that's my thought is that
0: why don't they do that with Laviska he has the size to physically be a running back the problem with playing LaVishka more at running back, which he's shown he can do. I mean, they've handed the ball off to him. There was one point where he had better yards per carry than Carlos Hyde and James Robinson just last week. Uh, but they, they've shown that he can he can read that, and make the cut, go downhill. He's good out of the backfield. There was a, a wheel route he ran out of the backfield last week, wide open. Trevor just was running for his life and missed him. It happens. But the problem with putting him there more is then you're taking reps away from James Robinson, mm-hmm. who, when healthy, is your best offensive player. So there has to be a balance of how do we get LaVisca in these matchups that we want and need him in. Uh, and how do we make sure that James Robinson is on, on, on the field? Now, perfect place is LaVishka's taking those flash, those jet sweeps and things mm-hmm. like that. But, but here's your butt problem. With DJ Tark down, who do you put on the outside? That's right. LaVishka was the guy who could do it. And the reason why you put LaVishka there instead of uh, Jamal Agnew is Agnew, like I said, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He plays very well for his size. But if you put him on the outside, a corner jams him up at that line, I don't know that he can get off yeah. the line of scrimmage. He might just hang there. So now you're playing man down. Um, so it, as long as LaVisca is being forced into that outside spot, which I kind of thought, okay, when they elevated Agnew, they were going to push Laviska back into the slot because Urban Meyer talked on it, you mentioned they're trying to find a role for LaVishka. LaVishka's role was in the slot yeah, where you exactly. match him up against nickel corners, yep. typically undersized corners, or a safety, or you try to get him matched up on a linebacker, things that you do with a running back or a weapon. So if they can move LaVishka back into that slot spot that Agnew had taken over while he moved outside, you need somebody to line up outside. Well, it's, it's got to be Treadwell. It's either Treadwell or maybe they activate John Brown, but John Brown traditionally has been a slot. He's been around long enough, probably could play outside. But Treadwell's blocks, he, they've been using him in a lot of run formations, mm-hmm. but maybe those blocks have endeared him enough to the coaching staff to say, hey, you know what, let's put him in, throw him a couple passes. What's the worst that happens? And that allows us to get LaVishka back in that matchup where they can jet sweep him in, fake the handoff, give it to him a few times, try and get him the matchups that he needs to be able to excel. I, I, I've i said it a couple of times on record, and I'll say it again. LaVishka Chenault should be a juiced-up version of Cordero Patterson.
1: Yeah, you're right. He needs to be in the slot. You stop. He's just miscast in the role he is now. And the role he is now is what is his role? They don't right. have. They don't have a, uh, a position for him now. He is. He is a Cordero Patterson. He is a slot guy. Get him the ball in space. Let him operate. I don't think he's he's big enough, good enough to be that. One uh, B opposite Marvin Jones. I think Marvin Jones is is you know a one B kind of guy, and not having DJ Chark really uh, really hurt this offense. I mean, bring Don't it up. any of us realize no, just how time. big a blow. Not not at the time at all because DJ Chark. I mean, had a down last season, this year coming off uh, surgery in the in the off season, and just kind of wasn't there. But I think DJ would have allowed this offense to do a little bit more. Maybe even get Tyron Johnson on the field and uh, have him as a fourth receiver in there and and, um, not have him need to run so intricate routes, which I think is what doomed him here in Jacksonville. Um, And and to me, I just don't know why you don't kick the tires on a guy like Deshaun Jackson. Even if you don't go OBJ, Deshaun Jackson was a guy who could have come in here and uh, lined up opposite Marvin Jones and, and allowed Jacksonville to experiment a little bit better. And Um, You've just missed opportunities in the draft. You've missed opportunities in the offseason. And I think uh, the hand you have now is the one you dealt yourself, and there's not much room to improve that position Uh, at this point in the year. I did like the play call last week on the the two-point conversion, the full shovel to Dan Arnold. So there's been bits and pieces of Daryl Bevel where you say, okay, this guy can call a player too.
0: All right, speaking of uh, improving the Jaguars wide receiver position, Urban Meyer took a a second during one of his press conferences earlier this week and kind of mentioned that he starts his day with uh, looking at a little bit of draft stuff, some college plays and before getting into the NFL stuff after a little bit. Uh, And he said that he's actually recruited, the top three wide receivers on their board right now while he was still a a college coach, which we already kind of knew the two Ohio State receivers were going to be the top on most people's boards, and then you uh, throw throw in one guy from Alabama. Uh, Some fans and some media folks have taken uh, taken target at this and aren't real happy that Urban's openly talking about what his draft board looks like midseason. Personally... I don't care.
1: I don't either. I I don't care. Your your Uh, draft board right now in November means nothing. Your draft board means
0: nothing. Saying what what the needs mean mean nothing. I mean, I've seen people – I don't want my coach talking about this, especially not telling people what his draft board – it's November. The season's not over yet. Free agency hasn't come and gone. There are so many times where they're going to have opportunities to fill holes on this roster and – Ultimately, one of those guys goes out, tears his ACL, decides to go back to school. Guess what? Then exactly what he said meant nothing and, then too.
1: And I, I mean, you've got you can connect the dots. And yeah. hey, Urban, didn't you connect, recruit this guy? Hey, this guy played for you. I mean, they've on, shown there's, 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 at this
0: point a propensity. Either somebody on this coaching staff coached you, coached your friend. Some if there's not a connection, yeah. you might not be a Jaguar. Yeah. Look, that that's one of their things, right or wrong. But there's a connection somewhere along the line. If you ain't a five star. He probably don't like you too yeah. much. <laughs> Urban, has, uh,
1: in, Urban has been very open about guys he's recruited and uh, he's had relationships with. I mean, I know when uh, he drafted Walker Little, you know, he was very uh, open about that. Um, Luke yeah. Farrell, he dra- I mean, there's just so many guys that, um, you know, that he's he's remarked on. And Urban loves Talent. I mean, yes. he loves those blue chipper guys. And if chances are, if you were a, a four or five star guy, Urban or some member of his coaching staff, talk to you. Talk to you. Yeah. We're sitting in your living room. Something. So I, don't, I come on. That's I just don't. you know the the splitting hairs of of the the faux outrage about Urban things he said. I mean, I found Urban's openness to be a little bit refreshing. Right. Um, in the in the era of Doug Marone and and Dave Caldwell and Tom Coughlin, you know, being a little stodgy and. <laughs> Um, you know, deflecting questions. So I think it's been a little bit. I don't think Urban will be like this three years from now. I think he'll he be. He won't know as many yeah. other guys.
0: He'll have been in the NFL longer. I don't have a problem with it. I also don't have a problem with him drafting guys that he know uh, that he knows or recruited over guys that he doesn't know. And uh, I I know a lot of people are like, well, he didn't recruit everybody, and those recruiting reports are from years ago, and blah 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 blah. But th- think about it this way: when in in the the era of the draft that we're in, especially with COVID, when y- coaches haven't been as hands-on with players as they were in years past. If Urban's here a year earlier, do the Jaguars draft C.J. Henderson at number 9? No. No. I don't think so because Urban's going to go to a guy who I know you. I sat in here and talked to your mama, your grandma, your daddy, your uncle, everybody. I know your whole family. You're either locked in about football or you're not my guy. I don't think – like that was the problem a lot of NFL coaches and and staff and and scouts have talked about it like that year – they didn't have much besides what the head coach said and then a couple of Zoom interviews with players and maybe they talked to you at the combine. Outside of that, they were flying blind. Urban would have known these guys he, uh, and would have drafted guys who he knows their mentality. They yep. have an alpha mentality that's attack and lock in. I don't know that he picks Caleb on Chase on. Uh, Chase on is a competitive guy. He's a Jaguar now. But does Urban pick him? I don't know. I don't think so. But so while there is a a con to saying, well, I I like to recruit guys that somebody on my staff has encountered or uh, somebody in my circle knows, there's a con to it. Sure, you miss out on some players. But the pro is, you know what type of person you're bringing into your organization and into your locker room, and you are fully involved in what their family like, what their support system's like, which whether you want to buy into it or not, the family support system around a lot of NFL players is the difference between whether they're successful or not. Because yeah, if right. you know, and, I mean, you go back home during the offseason, if a player's pulled into bad stuff, his career could be done. Yep. If he has a good support system around him, people that are going to tell him, hey, man, this probably ain't the best idea, right. and the coach knows that, I'll invest in that guy.
1: Yeah, and you know, Urban has mentioned that it, when he's talked about during his time here, you know, he knew so and so's player's mom. He sat in the living room. He's you know, talked to uh, this guy's uncle. He knows the support system when they went home. Um, and and some of the players, I remember even watching um, an interview with Urban about Aaron Hernandez and his time at Florida and how worried the coaching staff was every time Aaron Hernandez went back home uh, to Connecticut, I believe, and how mm-hmm. tough it was for the staff to to know the situation that Aaron Hernandez was, was putting himself back in. Right. Um, you know, because he just didn't have that relationship with those people there. You come from uh, a long way away, and um, you don't have that familiarity with them. So I think that is so true, even in the, especially in the NFL level. Um, you know, Ur- Urban, obviously the, the Aaron Hernandez situation ended tragically, but um, that was a, a, a rare insight of him saying, hey, I was worried about them because I did not have that connection with um, you know, the, the inner circle there. So um, and, and it, that's I the think it applies. That's
0: the, it, does, it definitely does. And that's the kind of thing that like a lot of fans don't necessarily take that into account when you're considering drafting. You just keep hearing Urban say, yeah, I recruited this guy or yeah, such and such was his recruiter on the road. I, that's the pro of having these college guys because no offense to college coaches, their job is to get their guy drafted as highly as possible. So if they know that there's some sort of Issue going on off the field in the locker room internally, whatever it may be, they're not privy to tell NFL players or coaches that unless that's that's their guy, that's their boy, they might tell them. But they're not gonna tell everybody that because if that news or word gets out, then all of a sudden their guy's drafted instead of the first round. he Maybe not at all, mm-hmm. which looks bad on their program. And as you try and and not necessarily bad on their program, but it looks a lot better to have a first round right, pick than a third round than the third round yeah. pick. So you know it. it it, it helps. It does go yeah. a long way, and that pays a lot of dividends. I know a lot of fans aren't really pro-draft guys, you know, and I'm not saying it's the perfect thing and they should always do it, but I do think there's a place, and it does definitely help. All right, back to the game. We went off on a little bit of a tangent. All right, let's pick this thing and uh, wrap up the podcast. Who is going to win this week, Jaguars 49ers?
1: I think it's close. Um, I think Jacksonville has trouble with Debo. I think the uh, the defense bends a little bit, but I, I really think the, the problem remains – Trevor, with his receivers, in sync, running games a little bit off this week. We don't know if James Robinson is going to come back and play. That means Carlos Hyde's getting the full uh, full workload there. I say uh, 49ers, 27, Jacksonville, uh, 18. 18.
0: All right. I'll take that. Um, I think we're, we're stepping in the same vein. Uh, first off, I've made it very clear that after – The last debacle, I won't be picking the Jaguars anymore just for superstitious reasons. Uh, But uh, I'm going to pick the 49ers in this one for one legitimate reason. I do think the offense is going to take a large step back this week. Um, I'm expecting one of Trevor's worst games. I'm thinking two or three picks maybe. Just because at, they've seen how bad the offense has been, I think that there's going to be a overcorrection and try and be more aggressive on offense to create those big plays that they've been lacking. And the 49ers defense is going to be able to take advantage of it because ultimately the Jaguars just don't have the number of playmakers they need on offense to create those true big plays. So I'm thinking 49ers... 28, Jaguars 10. Oof. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the defense will hold up okay for a while, but I just think the offense stalling is going to leave them on the field too long. 49ers will run it up a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I just I, it's tough for me to, to see this offense moving forward. We've got to see some symmetry with the, the quarterback and receivers getting in sync, mm-hmm. and I just don't – I think defense plays well again for, you know, three quarters or a half. And I think the offense just continues to tread water and and try to find something.
0: Yeah, unless James Robinson is miraculously 100% this week, uh, don't expect the Jaguars' offense to be extremely dynamic, at least we're not. All right, thanks for tuning in to another News for Jags podcast. We'll check in with you.